Hi, and welcome. You're listening to the Real Talk at Home podcast, a conversation with your ENC Abilene campus ministers on current topics, how they relate to us, and how we can all move forward together. Let's tune in. The ice cream. Yes. <clears throat> we have sound. Cool. <laughs> Don't roll your eyes. <laughs> Why do you roll your eyes? It's fun. All right. Welcome, everybody. <laughs> well, yeah, welcome. <laughs> welcome to the Real Talk at Home podcast with Christian, Brittany, and Britton. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hi. You're ENC Abilene Campus Ministers. And today we are covering a topic that we had discussed last week. Our favorite crazy stories in the Bible. So um, we got some pretty kooky stories. Got some scary, like graphic stories. Um, we got some scary. cool. Um, what? Well, They're not scary. I, I, guess, let's, I think it's. I think that's relative. Wait, you have a scary one? I don't. Well, it's not necessarily scary, but I mean, when you think about it, if you were a character in the story, or if you were there at the time it was happening, it might have been scary. That's okay. just that's just okay. my thought process. Yeah. I don't know. They I think it's scary to whoever whoever wants it to be scary. I'll be the judge. Cool. The judge. Okay, cool. Awesome. Um sorry, the sheriff. Yeah. Speaking of which, uh Britain, you have our first story for today. What's your story? Yeah, so we were tasked with picking some um uh, I guess more obscure some some kind of crazy stories. And so the uh, the first one I thought of was, well, I've got two. And the second one is actually my favorite story from the Bible. Um, but I'll get to that later. You're going to ease us into it? I am. So it's probably a good idea. So for me, if you don't know me, I am a, I'm a pretty big geek. And so I like my nerdy stuff. I like playing Dungeons and Dragons in my free time. And... What? You look like you're about to say something. Isn't that against Christianity? We'll talk about it later. <sighs> Stop. This is not that. We're not on that episode. This episode's about crazy Bible stories. Yeah. But um, both stories I have kind of remind me of stories that you would hear in a Dungeons and Dragons type thing. My My first one is from Ezekiel 37 and it's verses one through four. And it's the Valley of Dry Bones. And I'm not going to read the whole thing to you, but basically um, Ezekiel's walking through this valley and there's all these bones everywhere, uh, a human bones. And Thanks for clarifying. Yeah. Helps my mental image. Yep. Helps the mental image. And God asks Ezekiel, son of man, can these bones live? And Ezekiel's like, what are you getting at? Why are you asking me that? <laughs> <laughs> So his response is, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. <laughs> what are you getting at? Where are you going oh with this? Oh, my gosh. Where are you going with this? <laughs> and then he said to me, prophesy and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. And so Ezekiel's like, okay, sure, I'll try that. <laughs> and he does it. And what do you know? It's they they come to life, uh, and like skin comes back over these bones. I, I I mean, you said creepy stories. I would imagine 
you know. This would be pretty creepy. It would be. And then it says, so I prophesied and as he commanded, uh, as he commanded me and breath entered them, they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Uh, the moral of the story is that God's using this as an example to talk about the, about Israel, how he's going to restore kind of the, uh, defeated Israel back to its old glory. He's going to reunite the people, but it's, it's just like, wow, that's kind of an extreme way to tell me that. Yeah, Uh, no kidding. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, God, I think God's a fan of drama. Yeah. He likes to add a touch of drama to things. Hey. Why not? Um, anyway. I, <laughs> there's a there's this Bible blog, and it's a <laughs> the the blog's title is um, God's Zombie Army. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's perfect. All right. Well, my story uh, comes out of Second Kings, uh, chapter nine, and it's about the story of the death of Jezebel. Uh, Jezebel. If feel like is that name especially in charismatic arenas of christianity that's kind of thrown around to i don't know what's the phrase not get that jezebel spirit out of you yeah it's not necessarily to demean any anybody it's just more like oh you're an example of somebody who's being really extra and slightly evil right now yep Um, mostly geared towards women Okay. Have you ever been called a Jezebel woman? No, but I have definitely. You've used the I've term. I've definitely. No, I haven't used oh. it. Oh my <laughs> goodness, no. I've definitely thought like, okay, I want to be more like. Who do I want to be more like? You know, one of the one of the Marys, or Deborah. I definitely don't want to be. Yeah, I want to be more like Esther. Laura, don't let me be like Jezebel. Basic right. white girl check. All right. Well, let's let, me, let, me, let me read the story. Let me just read this part of the story. So um, the king of Israel, Jehu, is coming to confront Jezebel because she's been causing all sorts of drama. She's been acting real extra. And uh, verse 30 says, when Jehu ca- came to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it, and she painted her eyes and adorned her head and looked out the window. And as Jehu entered the gate, she said, is it peace, you Zimri, murderer of your master? And he lifted up his face to the window and said, Who is on my side? Who? Two or more eunuchs looked out at him. He said, Throw her down. So they threw her down. And some of her blood spattered on the wall and on the horses, and they trampled on her. Then he went in and ate and drank. And he said, See now to this cursed woman and bury her, for she's a king's daughter. But when they went to bury her, they found no more than the skull and the feet and the palms of her hand. So. There's more to the story, basically, but when I, I remember reading through the Bible and I came across this story, and for some reason I had just the look, the music, the costume design of Game of Thrones. <laughs> yes, I can I can see that. Stuck in my head. Yep. And um, yeah, so I just thought this was one of those really dramatic moments. I'm sure... This didn't happen in the span of however long it takes to read the scripture. But for me, it's one of the craziest stories because, I don't know, it's it was something that was meant to be confrontation and it just escalated very quickly. Whereas, I don't know, I see the kings of Israel being a little bit more diplomatic, but Jehu was just like, throw her down. Just throw her over the <laughs> so side of the wall. Is it peace? Saucer. <laughs> so so when Not you said went in and ate and drank, uh-huh. 
You thought it was going to cannibalism? Yeah, that's where I thought it went. No. They threw her down. That would be crazy. They trampled her, and then he went in to eat and drink. And I was like, I mean, dang. There's room for speculation. And then it said... They came, and then they were like, we should bury her. But all that was left was... Was her skull and the palms of her hands and her feet. I was like, wow, these guys just they ate were real, her. They were real hungry. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's that's my crazy story. All right. Well, my story, um, I immediately thought of this story when we first started talking about what we could do f- for this episode, because I have thought this was hysterical so ever since I read it for the first time, or at least ever since I first noticed it. So it's in the Old Testament in first Kings and it's about Elijah. But I think what's funny for me is I grew up hearing the first part of the story as just a Bible story, like in children's church or in Sunday school where Elijah opposes the prophets of Baal on the mountain and the prophets of Baal are like trying to call down fire and Elijah, you know, let them try for most of the day. And they're like, really really stressed out because it wasn't happening but then Elijah was like yo watch this and so he had the altar to the Lord and then he had the offering and then he poured like a butt ton of water all over it and then called down fire and it was awesome and so from my memory growing up the story always stopped there but at the very end of that story in chapter 18 verses 46 says the hand of the lord was on elijah and he gathered up his garment and ran before ahab to the entrance of jezreel and it seems like such a such a simple verse like okay yeah he gathered up his garment and ran to the entrance of jezreel jezreel is the city and ahab is one of the kings um but he literally girded his loins and ran down the mountain and beat the king and all the other people that were on top of the mountain to the city, which I looked up and it was like 17 or 18 miles away. And these people had like horses and chariots and other modes of transportation. But Elijah, Elijah just noped out of there and (laughs) ran about 20 miles and beat everyone. And this is why we have marathons now. And no, you mm, no, not not. It was the birthplace of marathons. It is not. Nice try though. But I just I think that is hysterical because he just did this day long uh, marathon of proving miracles from, you know, Baal, but then also the God of Israel. And then he runs 17 miles and beats everyone. Hmm. So uh, I can tell that was a little underwhelming compared to your guys' story. So I will introduce the uh, second story uh, <laughs> because this is even more underwhelming. I don't really have a second, a, a specific second story for our second story. I, I just think it's funny when people are called out by name especially in the New Testament letters, as examples of what not to do. So I've been reading Second Timothy a lot. It's something that we've been going through with the student leaders in our leader meetings as a devotional. And at one point in chapter three or four, Paul straight up calls out these two or three people and was like, don't be like them or stay far away from them because they they, they're real bad. And you mean they're like, gonna... don't be such a Jezebel? Yes, exactly like mm. that. Exactly like that. But it's not even, we don't even get the backstory. Like, we know why Jezebel was not great. 
Uh, but for just people who only have their names mentioned and then just a warning, don't be like this or don't be like them or stay away from them because they will lead you astray or whatever. I just think it's, I think it's funny how it was, it was, it was in Paul's letter or in, in the Bible or in the scripture. And it was a, you know, tradition passed on or letters were passed around. Mm. And so it was probably very applicable for the people who were reading it. But for us now, like, can you imagine part of your life or some of your mistakes being forever memorialized in the best-selling book of all time. In the best-selling book of all time. The most stolen book of all time. The most stolen. Like, there is no living that down. Mm. And so I guess that's not a crazy story, but that's it like is one of my favorite things. It's mentioned on Taylor Swift's album. Oh, yeah. It is. It is. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite things when I come across it in scripture. Just people getting specific, specifically called out on what not to do. So... But like I said, that's pretty underwhelming. So we'll go back to Christian. What's your second story? I don't think that's necessarily underwhelming because I'm trying to empathize with these people. It's terrible to even in this life say you have a parent who's like, don't be like your brother or da 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 da. That's true. Yet we're thousands and thousands of years down the road and they're still an example. Like that stinks. (laughs) Like, Yeah. Oh, gosh. Uh, So I just want to take a moment to empathize with those people because I have been the example of what not to do for all most of my siblings. I don't know what that's like. Yeah. Whatever. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) I can't even think of a snarky enough response. Because there's... There shouldn't be. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. So my next story is also coming right back out of Second Kings. I know I'm stuck in Second Kings. Thing is, Old Testament has some pretty crazy stuff. The Old Testament does. If you want to go for crazy stories, the Old Testament is where you look. There are some cool and pretty crazy, awesome stories, and a lot of violence in the New Testament, but nothing compares to the Old. But Testament. I think everybody knows those stories. Like, yeah, everybody's heard the miracles and everything right if it was if they were more obscure then people would be like whoa jesus like brought someone back from the dead yeah wow that's pretty crazy right and he cried over it even though he knew he was about to bring him back to life okay (laughs) yeah so my story is coming out of chapter six of second kings um and basically for the context samaria was under a huge famine so much so that they took really extreme measures, measures to make sure they were fed. Let me read. It says, um, Afterward, Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, mustered his entire army and went up and besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria and as they besieged it uh, until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver. And fourth part, you know, I'm just going to skip this part. Um, now, as the king of uh, Israel was passing by on the wall, a woman cried out to him saying, Help my lord, O king. And he said, if the Lord will not help you, how shall, I, how shall I help you? From the threshing floor or from the wine press? And the king asked her, what is your trouble? She answered, this woman said to me, give your son that we may eat him today. And we will eat my son tomorrow. Oh, I know this story. So we boiled my son and ate him. And on the next day, I said to her, give your son that we may eat him. But she has hidden her son. And when the king heard the words of the woman, he tore his clothes. Now, as he was passing by on the wall, and the people looked, and behold, he had a sackcloth beneath his body. 
And he said, May God do so to me more and more also if the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, remains on his shoulders today. A little bit long-winded, but... I have a bunch of responses to that. <laughs> um, first off, I knew cannibalism would come in this somehow today. Somewhere. It has to. Yeah. Uh, two, whenever people get upset in the Bible, it says they, like, tear their clothing. Mm-hmm. And I, I just think of, like, in cartoons where, like, the really buff guy, like, rips his shirt off <laughs> when he's angry. Yeah. Like, that's what I imagine. Like, I, I, I like... A Jewish man, you know, with a beard, and he's got the robes on, right. and he just gets mad, and he's like, Arr! gets all red-faced and just tears his clothing off. Right. Uh, I do get that, but on a deeper level, I understand that it's it's kind of almost what it feels like is happening to the soul. Oh, yeah. In an instance like that, like, and I don't know, like, it's almost kind of like, for me, an emotional what would have been like today bubble wrap you know when you pop bubble wrap and you're like wow this is so satisfying and it's something i need to like expresses something that i've been really wanting to do and when you're so like sorrowful and depressed ripping your clothes is the only thing that really (laughs) i feel like makes sense well Uh, and i'm also remembering now that clothing would have been way more important and expensive and expensive yeah like people probably only had one cloak back then so but this story is not about clothing. It's about babies being eaten. Yeah, that's and, true. Uh, and I remember. Or is it? Uh, yeah. Well, right now it is. Okay. Um, I remember speaking a sermon to f- some f- some students, and I r- I will tell them, you know, you think you know the Bible, but there are stories like this where mothers eat their own babies. Um, and I I like to use examples like this because, you know, I I do ag- I do agree there is good in everybody, but I also agree that there is evil or the potential of evil in everybody that nobody is completely good or completely bad. And so, um, unfortunately it's stories like this where, um, we have to realize that, um, Jesus came for a reason. And the reason being is because there is evil enough in the world for Mm -hmm. a mother to eat her own child and for them to share their own children. And of course there are extreme situations, you know, they were under a huge famine. Um, but this is this story shook me because it was like, wow, this is one of the lowest points that you can see of humanity in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament. So yeah. anyway, to bring it right back out of a really deep and depressing <laughs> yes, please do. attitude, because this is a fun podcast. Um, yeah, Britton, you have the story you've been waiting to tell. This, the story that you tell a lot, actually. <laughs> this is my favorite story in the Bible. This is my favorite, I guess, yeah, it's a story. Um, it is the story of Ehud. And it's in Judges, so another story in the Old Testament. And I'm going to set the setting a little bit, and then I'm going to tell my translation of it. Uh, so, anyways, my translation, my, uh, what would you call that? Interpretation. My, uh, not interpretation, it's just my telling of it. Yeah, it's, it's the translation. It, it's the Britain Trotter translation. But I'm not translating it from anything. It's just from what I know of the story. Paraphrase? Sure, my paraphrase. Retelling. My retelling. Um, so The live action remake. Uh, this is Judges 3, uh, verses 12 through 30. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And because they did this uh, evil, the Lord gave Eglon, king of Moab, power over Israel. Getting the Ammonites and Amalekites to join him, Eglon came and attacked Israel, and they took possession of the city of Palms. 
the Israelites were subject to Eglon, king of Moab, for 18 years. And then they cried out to the Lord, and he gave them a deliverer, Ehud, a left-handed man, the son of Gera the Benjamite. So, I'm going to continue now. This that was that was directly reading. So, so now we're moving into the Britain Trotter yeah, translation. My translation. First off, he's left-handed. I'm left-handed. So immediately I was <laughs> like, immediately it was me. it's your this favorite. Is me. Instant connection. <laughs> but, you know, you might think like, why is that such a big deal? It, I mean, it, it was a big deal back then because... Because you left-handed people are outcast, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, especially in that culture back then. Yeah. You- but, um, so... Maybe we should bring that back. So some, so, hey, no. <laughs> <laughs> so some characters are Eglon. The, we've only got two main characters, Eglon mm. and uh, Ehud. Okay, Ehud. wait, wait, wait. Same question that I posed for Christian. Who would you cast in so, these character roles? So this story is, it's a story of an assassin. Yeah. So someone who's been in an action movie. Yeah. Uh, but all I think of is the... Uh, like the game Assassin's Creed, uh-huh. which makes me only think of the uh, Michael Fassbender. M- Michael Fassbender. No. <laughs> as from as the I honestly thought you were going to say Chris Pratt. No, I do love Chris I Pratt. I know. You, you, you kind of have a guy crush on that. Okay, so who are you doing as the king? So King Eglon, your guy's going to have, you're going to have to help me with this. King uh-huh. Eglon is described as being so fat uh-huh. that some, I, I don't want to give it away, but He's he is extremely thick. fat extremely mm. thick guy like sumo thick or th- or bigger like <clears throat> um sumo, sumo wrestlers are huge what's i don't know sumo wrestlers are huge but they're not that big i mean you see shows like my 500 pound life my 400 pound life right so there are definitely bigger people out there and that's what i'm imagining so it's a foot worth of fat cool yeah because it's a it, <laughs> no don't give anything okay, away cool, okay cool. so the first person that came to my mind is the guy who plays vernon dursley in okay. harry potter yeah oh, he's not yeah. he's not that thick in the movies but the books describe him as pretty chunky pretty yeah pretty chunk. dang pretty dang yeah thick well i also like the face that he has yeah he has a very unlikable face yeah but he's Sorry, the sweetest guy. Is, is he alive? Did he die? I want to say that he oh my passed goodness, away, but I think he did pass away. I thought he was Dang. dead. And so he's not. I rest don't know. in peace. Yeah. Anyway, rest in peace. Excellent, excellent job portraying that. Yes. Um, but anyways, the story. Yes. So continue. Ehud is called up. Uh, God basically calls him to go and save Israel. And so and Michael Fassbender is Michael saving Israel. Michael Fassbender mm-hmm. is saving Israel. So he takes a foot long dagger mm-hmm. and he straps it to his thigh on his um i think it's his right thigh because mm-hmm. typically you would put it on on your left right, side if you're, if you're reaching right inside of your left yeah. thigh with the left hand that's just that looks awkward yeah so it's yeah it's put on the opposite leg which mm-hmm. is why it's important that he's left-handed because when he shows up to the king's palace mm-hmm. he shows up and he tells the guards hey i have a message to give to the king uh, and he's like representing this uh, part of the, the king's kingdom that, you know, it's like a, he's a representative. And so the king's like, oh yeah, have him come in. Like an ambassador? Yeah. Okay. And so as he comes in, the uh, the guards search him. But because of how rare being left-handed is and how bad of a thing, for some reason, because today this wouldn't work, mm-hmm. but for some reason they don't check the other leg. 
What? Yeah. It's just not worth it. Yeah. They're like, ah, if it's not on this leg, then geez. Okay. Your left leg is usually not a, a big threat. Yeah. It seems like a really big oversight. I mean, I guess well, it's fine. God works in mysterious ways. We also have okay. stories like this, so we know never to trust lefties anymore. It's true. It's true. Don't trust me. <laughs> um, so <laughs> he, uh, and so he says, I'll, I'll read this quote. So he goes up to the king and he says, your majesty, I have a secret message for you. And so the king says to his attendants, leave us. And they all left. So it's just Ehud and King Eglon mm-hmm. in the room. And uh, Ehud approaches him while he was sitting alone in the upper room of the palace. And he says, I have a message from God for you. As the king rose from his seat, Ehud reached with his left hand, drew the sword from his right thigh, and plunged it into the king's belly. Oh. Yeah. So just imagine that. Just imagine that. Michael Fassbender, I have a secret message for you. From God. And then it's like, okay. And then sends everybody out. And then the king's like, okay, so what's this secret message? It's a message from God. (laughs) (laughs) And then the king's like, oh. And it says that he plunged this foot-long dagger all the way in, mm. and it gets pretty graphic because uh, some other stuff happens. Because um, <laughs> it's the Bible. Because it's the Bible. But Ehud could not pull the sword out because the fat closed in over it. So that's how fat that he fat. was. Yeah. Yeah. So he went out onto the porch, which uh, we would understand it to be the latrine, uh, because in the upper room they would have that little part of the building that hangs off that's where you would use the restroom out of Mm -hmm. back in the old days and so ehud goes to that and escapes out of that down the side of the building and then leaves the attendants standing outside the room are like man king eglon's been in there for a long time and he we haven't heard anything maybe we should check on him and they check the door and it's locked Mm. they're like oh he's probably relieving himself like so we shouldn't bother him and then after a little bit more while, they break open the doors and they find the king dead on the ground and they raise the alarm, but it's been too long. It's too late. And Ehud has now brought an entire army with him oh to gosh. attack the, um, which, what are their names? They're the king of Moab. So the Moabies. Mm-hmm. Moabites. The Moabites. Moabites. Moabies. The Moabites. You Moabies. So he leads this army and he frees Israel. And that's the story. Wow. It's I'm glad we saved that for last. That was a good one. I mean, that could be a whole length movie. You could just could. throw in like extra stuff. I you mean, could, it could have been a right, whole Right. You'd have to take creative liberty. Yeah. I was imagining like a cutscene in a video game though. I mean that part, yes, but right. you could like do the whole story of like, Him like Ehud coming into power, right. Right. or like how Israel fell into this position, and then like the climax of the story. The funny thing about this, this story, though, is you told me that it's not a very long story. It's not. If you were reading very quickly through what book is this in? Uh, Judges. Judges. If you're reading very quickly through Judges, you would actually miss it, right? Yeah. I remember I you think. telling me that. Or you probably yeah. wouldn't think anything of it. Like, oh yeah, someone killed another king. Okay, next. There's so much action and drama packed in in such a small time, just like my Jezebel story and yeah. just like the eating children. Yeah. So the shorter the story, the more graphic and intense it needs to be to catch your reader's attention. Oh, yeah. So actually, and here's what it says. He says, follow me, he ordered, for the Lord has given Moab your enemies into your hands. So they followed him and took possession of the fords of the Jordan and that led to Moab. They allowed no one to cross over. At that time, they struck down about 10,000 Moabites. 
all vigorous and strong. No, not Moabies. one escaped. Moabies. <laughs> that day, Moabies. Moab was made subject to Israel. So it it went from Israel being a subject to uh, yeah. Okay. Israel <laughs> ruling over so the Moabies. Yeah. It seems like we have this idea, especially in you know Western Christianity, that it really the Bible story really picks up in the New Testament because that's where we get to Jesus. Yeah. And I think we forget that Jesus is actually in the entirety of the Bible. Just because he's not mentioned by name in the Old Testament doesn't mean that he wasn't there, that the story of Mm. salvation is not in the Old Testament as well. I mean, even, Britain, your story of the left-handed assassin, um, left-handed Michael Fassbender killing (laughs) Vernon Dursley, um, you know, I I think that speaks to... It just God's God's character mm-hmm. and his faithfulness to his people, the Israelites, even when they weren't necessarily faithful to him. Um, so there's definitely a lot that we can pull from, even the Old Testament, even though it doesn't have Jesus explicitly mentioned. Yeah, I definitely think the Old Testament kind of the the whole thing, uh, much of it is about how how much Israel needs God, and then the moment that they stop trusting or needing God is the moment that everything goes bad and then immediately call out for help. And then, you know, then someone has to show up to save them, whether Mm -hmm. that's Ehud or the other judges or God sent leader yeah, or somebody. And so ultimately, and this is exactly what you were saying is that we still need that. We still needed that. And so God sent us the ultimate savior, Mm -hmm. the ultimate left hand of the assassin. Someone that nobody would expect, and that was Jesus. Right. Wait, did you say the ultimate left-handed assassin? Yeah. Are you insinuating that Jesus Christ was left-handed? Probably. All right. I think we should uh, end the podcast there. All right. Well, that is our episode on our favorite crazy stories in the Bible. Tune in next week. We will be talking about some pagan holidays and how they relate to Christian holidays. Uh, I think specifically Christmas, Easter. Halloween. Halloween. But that one's not necessarily a Christian holiday. A Christian holiday, right. I guess mainstream holidays that people celebrate. We'll talk about it next week and obviously we'll have a better idea of, of what we'll be talking about by then. So we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for our next episode. In the meantime, you can head over to the ENC Abilene Instagram or Facebook page to leave a comment on our most recent episode. We'd love to hear what you have to say. 